Supergirl Radio Rebirth, your source for the DC comic series called Supergirl Rebirth. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss and review Supergirl Annual Number 1, which was written by Steve Orlando with art penciled and inked by Steve Pugh. The description for this issue reads, quote, Emerald, em- Emerald Eradication Part 2. With her powers out of control, Emerald Empress takes the upper hand over Supergirl. These deadly tactical strikes with ra- <laughs> these deadly tactical strikes will rattle the Girl of Steel to the core. Unquote. Whew, that was a tough description to get through. <laughs> there was a, a lot of uh, alliterations there uh, that I, I kept stumbling over. So I hope that wasn't too terrible. But yeah, so this episode had a lot of Emerald Empress in it, Morgan. And I know we've had questions about the character of Emerald. Emerald Empress, because neither of us really know much about her. So I was really curious to hear what you thought about her her backstory. We got a little bit of uh, where she comes from and what she uh, plans to do uh, because of a vision that she's seen of the future. What did you think about Emerald Empress in this issue? I thought it was really interesting to learn more about her because I didn't know uh, basically anything about Emerald Empress. So this is been my first experience with the character and I thought it was it was nice to get that backstory on her uh that she was like a former servant and she got all this power from uh a giant eyeball that floated <laughs> in through a window <laughs> she seemed uh, less concerned that a giant green eyeball was floating in through her window but I guess if you're like Cinderella-ing all day then <laughs> maybe that's just a fun surprise for you um and then that she gets to she's on like a a vengeance mission where she's um, she gets rid of the ruler who had been so cruel to her. And, and then she was after her parents who had given her up and abandoned her. And then she meets her dad who's like just sitting there having a beer. And she's like, you know what? You're not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> she forgives him very easily. Maybe he gives her a free beer. Uh, <laughs> but then it turns out that her dad dies tragically because of Supergirl. So I feel like as far as having a reason to go after Supergirl, it was a it was a pretty well-developed one. And I liked learning that backstory about her. Yeah, that's a really good motivation, especially when they tie it at the end of the, the issue, at the end of the annual, that she's going after Supergirl because of that vision and the connection to her, her father. Because if her father is going to die... Emerald Empress wants Supergirl to watch her father die, watch Zor-El die. So I thought that that was actually tied in very well in in terms of the writing that they use that as her motivation. I thought that that was uh, a good way to go about that. If she's if she's going to have a motivation, I, I thought that that was a really good one. And I thought the um, I know we'll probably talk about the art a little bit later, but there's a full page. I think it's page twenty one where it's em- Emerald Empress uh, holding her dead father, and it's just. It's a really sad image. It made me really feel for the character of Emerald Empress and what she was going through. There's this anguish on her face, and you can see that there's S-shields on the ground, and there's a shredded flag over to the side. Yeah, it's weird. I hadn't noticed the S-shields on the ground like the first time I read uh, I read that page, and now that I'm looking at it, why, why are there, like, Supergirl, or I guess, or Superman 
flags. Like, what is going on in this future? Yeah, it is a, a crazy looking future. It's almost apocalyptic. All the city, you know, the city's been destroyed. There's buildings that have just been totally demolished. There's like a dead hand in one corner of the page. <laughs> just smoking a dead hand, like still a little on fire. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gruesome. But I think it it shows, you know, if if you saw this, I think you would be really concerned and possibly even a little angry over what is happening if if you were emerald empress and you saw this so um it it does give a sense of why she's doing what she's doing and and understanding her anger of course you don't have to go about what she's doing in order to prevent that future even supergirl when she hears about the vision she's like no that it doesn't have to be that way she could work with supergirl to try to prevent this um, but I, I'm curious to know how, if, is it going to play out the way it does in the vision or is something going to, is it going to be like a, oh, I get confused about time travel. <laughs> oh, me too. And I do a podcast about a show that has a lot of time <laughs> travel in it. Uh, clearly I was picked for my expertise in the subject matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, when I think about visions and trying to prevent visions, I, I, I think a little bit of time travel and I don't know if that is the same exact thing, but there's paradoxical and there's non-paradoxical time travel and in theory. And one of them is where you can change the future. And one of them is where no matter what the future is going to happen, you can't change it. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if, and I get them confused because I think paradoxical is the one where you can change the future. I think the non-paradoxical is the one where it's a it's a straight line. You can't change it. Change it. So I'm curious to to know which of those possible futures is going to happen um, because that that that's wanting me to keep reading to find out that information. But yeah, I really liked getting to learn more about Emerald Empress at least this version because I didn't know where that eye came from. I didn't know how she got her powers. Um, but it does kind of just come in and she doesn't question it. <laughs> Wait, have have we learned? This is this is maybe me forgetting um, a previous issue, but have we learned why the eye has a crack in it? I sort of assumed when I was reading that it happened during the fight when she was messing around with Cameron Chase, but I don't know. That was a that was a question that uh, crossed my mind as well because she makes a direct reference to it at one point where she's like, "Even though my eye has a crack, it's still." You know, whatever. It's still oh, even cracked. My emerald eye is all powerful, and next to your prehistoric encryptions, and I and I immediately thought, when was it cracked? How was it cracked? That's a good question. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to go back and see if we can figure that out. Is this is this an Eliza <laughs> <laughs> an Eliza hand issue again, or <laughs> it might just be cracked, and we'll never know why. You know, sometimes if you have a giant floating eyeball. It's got to get cracked. I mean, those are just uh, the breaks. Exactly. Them's the breaks <laughs> with your floating eyeball. Uh, but that's a great question. I thought about it, too. I don't know. I just assumed that maybe during the skirmishes with the DEO and maybe even because uh, Superman and Supergirl fought Emerald Empress a while back in Rebirth. So maybe something happened then. I'll have to go back and look. Uh, but that is a good question. If anybody is listening to this and knows why the eye is cracked, please write in. Let us know, supergirlradio at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, so she she doesn't question the eye, which I do think is funny because if that showed up outside my window, I would have a lot of questions. Yeah, me too. I don't I don't feel like I would be jumping straight in, but 
She did. And she did. And and look at, she's got a nice green outfit now. So it worked out sort of for her. (laughs) Yeah. I think maybe it's one of those things where, oh, the eye gives me powers. I'm not going to tell it to go away. It's given, it's given me a chance to get out of my poor state and my, my, uh, she was basically a a slave. She was uh, in in servitude. And then she goes off to, uh, you know, against the, the rulers of her uh, area that she could become the ruler herself. So I guess when you have that kind of power, it just kind of takes over and you don't care where it comes from. So maybe that's part of it. Uh, But yeah, I would have a lot of questions. Um, One of the things that I thought was really interesting about Emerald Empress is that she makes a comment about Supergirl. She says, the world is not as good as Supergirl thinks it is, but she's invulnerable. She doesn't feel the consequences. And I thought that, that was a really nice uh, couple of bits of dialogue there because Supergirl is vulnerable in this issue, both physically and emotionally, um, physically with her surgery that she has to undergo um you know when you're in surgery you're you're vulnerable i've heard stories um i I don't want to make this too graphic but a friend of mine used to work in um uh the medical field to try to make things in operating rooms more efficient so she would watch surgeries take place so that she could know where they were having problems or where they could make things better and she would tell me these stories about yeah the the doctors just kind of flip you over and turn your bodies a certain way so that they can do what they need to do like while you're out of it and i was like oh so that's why sometimes people have bruises when they come out of surgery. <laughs> so I, I just think that's uh, funny about Supergirl that she is this invulnerable being, but she is having to f- uh, feel surgery for the first time since she was a kid. She mentions that she had one on Krypton, but here it's really painful for her. And she's also emotionally vulnerable because of what's happening with the the people in this, in National City. So I was curious about that, Morgan. What did you think about what Supergirl was going through in this issue? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that, like you said, that she was very vulnerable in this issue. She has to, I feel like a lot of stuff happened to her in this issue that really sort of pulled her down. And I liked at the end of the issue, her sort of coming back around on it. But, um, you know, she's she can't really fight the giant Grundy monster because she's like overly super powered. And then they disseminate that uh, that video of her talking to her uh, her father on the Catco app. So everybody kind of kind of hates her or is mad at her and then on top of all that she has to get that like that surgery which was actually like a really kind of a rough scene like you can see the laser going into her and you can see like that she's in pain and like in one panel her she's got like fire coming out of her eyes which seems like a bad surgery side effect (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so it was it was a really rough uh a rough issue for supergirl and even even after the surgery, she still has a lot of that energy still like left in her body, which I thought was interesting. Uh, the doctor tells her like, you know, I can't it's stable, but I can't reverse it. Yeah, she's not going to explode anymore because she she was if they didn't do the surgery, she was going to explode. But now they can kind of 
control it a little bit. So I, I think that maybe that means that Supergirl can control her powers since they were going out of whack before. And it seemed to suggest that Supergirl is even stronger now after the surgery. I don't know if that's how you read that. That's what it seemed like to me. So I thought that that was interesting that she goes through this horrible surgery and she comes out of it even stronger than she was. And I thought that that was really fitting because she had a hard time fighting Grundy. Grundy was literally ripping the streets up like and holding it like i was i was like wow that is such an image <laughs> that he is <laughs> he is uh grabbing the concrete off and just uh uh just doing what he wants with it and just kind of throwing it around uh so that i thought was really interesting because supergirl had a really hard time with him and she has such a problem that another hero comes in to replace her really in the eyes of the people. And I was also curious about uh, what you think about sort of the reintroduction of Indigo. We saw her a little bit. And I think we even, uh, when that issue, when we discussed that, we were like, yeah, we kind of wish we had more about Indigo. She just kind of appeared and then left. So this time we really got a lot of Indigo. So what did you think about Indigo showing up and uh, proclaiming herself the new hero of the city. I thought that was interesting because I like obviously my version of Indigo is <laughs> is uh, involves a lot more hand acting, lots of good uh, hand acting, such good hand acting, lots of nails. Uh, this version of Indigo seems almost like, and maybe she'll make a turn, but she seems almost like she wants to be a hero. But in kind of a like a more effective way where she's like, listen, Supergirl, you are there's a lot of side casualties. You're like knocking over a lot of buildings. There's so many insurance claims being put into this city. I'm just I've I've calculated all the odds. I'm just going to go and do this for you. Uh, sometimes I'm going to have to kill the villain uh, <laughs> just brutally. That happens in front of crowds of children. But you know what? It's cool. I'm a superhero. I wasn't expecting her to want to be like, listen, I'm the solve crime. You can just go away. You're doing it too messy. Like <laughs> That's definitely not the indigo we got on uh, on the Supergirl TV show. Um, I don't know. Is this, is this what she is like um, elsewhere in the comics? Have you read anything else with her in it? I haven't. So this is my first uh, comic book version of Indigo. So it, it was a little bit different for me. I didn't expect her to present herself as this hero. She... She says that she is the woman of tomorrow, which is a play on, you know, of course, Superman being the man of tomorrow. And she she does say like, hey, you're doing it wrong. You you have all of this emotion. And, you know, I operate without the toxin of emotion. She says that emotion is toxic. And I thought that that was really interesting because in a way, I think in this circumstance, Supergirl having all of her powers go out of whack and she can't control it. I think that is related to her emotions a little bit. And so that was a downside. That was a negative. But typically with Supergirl, we see her emotion is a benefit that she wants to care for people and help people. And so it's interesting that Indigo was like, uh, I'm not doing this out of emotion. I can calculate the potential consequences of every action in an instant. And I thought that was really interesting that she can sort of foresee what's going to happen before she does it. So there are all these benefits to Indigo, seemingly, that she has all these things, these abilities that Supergirl doesn't have. 
but I don't know. I think she's a little, I think she's a little too self-assured. She seems a little um full of herself. And maybe she should be. Maybe she's, you know, she's a great hero. She's got a really interesting costume. I think her belt maybe a little bit is a little big. But I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to pick on it too much. But. Yeah, no, that belt is uh, a lot is happening in that belt. <laughs> yeah. And I that I don't I don't understand. And there's, it's weird. There's a panel where I think it's like Green Emperor, uh, Emerald Empress. Green Empress is a different <laughs> character, a less formal character. Uh, <laughs> where Emerald Empress is like reaching into Indigo, like, it looks like dropping something into her. I think this is page, let's double check, page 22. And I was very confused by what was happening. But the stupid belt is there, even though she's like half taken apart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the belt, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of belts, even even with the, the robotic self. Indigo seems self-assured because she has these abilities that Supergirl doesn't. She comes in, she saves the day. Supergirl's crazy out of control and she makes it seem like her abilities and her entrance into the city is good for the people and she seems to want to put herself in a position to be this the city's new hero um and i i felt like this version of indigo was less robotic in some ways she felt more like a a full like a full she felt like more like a superhero instead of just like a robotic uh, piece of equipment, but I think that's part of the charade. That's part of the uh, portrayal that she's trying to give off. That she is this, um, ro- you know, kind of evil robot, but she's trying to play this part to get Supergirl out of the way to smear her, to smear her name, to make her look bad. It's all part of Emerald Empress's plan, I think, to get rid of Supergirl, to destroy her life. So uh, I, I actually thought Emerald Empress ended up being a really good villain by the end of this issue. She pretty much took uh, everything out of Supergirl's life. You know, uh, the city is now looking to Indigo as their hero. Lauron, which I think we should talk about, uh, he ends up fighting Magog. So there's that going on. Uh, Selina even enchants uh Superman to to blind him to what the Fatal Five is doing so he can't come and help. Uh, Supergirl's body is getting out of control. She can't do anything about it. And then Supergirl's father might die. So there's a lot of things going on. The Emerald Empress is really, she's toying with everything in Supergirl's life. And that's that's really threatening. So I, I think she ended up being a pretty good villain by the end of this. Um, and so since I mentioned L- Laurent, what did you think about getting to see him again? I was so excited to see Laurent. I was like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Laurent cheer squad! Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting him to pop up um, again, maybe. And then just he has like a whole panel where he's like, hello there in his wolf form. And I was like, you go. I mean, if anybody <laughs> is going to back you up, you want it to be Lauren in full on werewolf form. He's pretty scary looking, but he comes in to save the day. He's like the backup plan. If Supergirl can't take on the Fatal Five, he comes in to help save the day. I thought that was awesome. I also did not expect him, and I also cheered when it happened. <laughs> yes, I did. I didn't like that they uh, they ragged on his banter ability. Like, listen, he's got a lot going on. He can he can learn 
thing. Some of this, some of this takes time. He's trying. He, he'll he'll <laughs> get there. It's you know it's tough for a Kryptonian werewolf. <laughs> Superhero banter is a learned skill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he will get there. Just let him get there. Uh, so I was excited to see him again because it, it, he's been a nice thread through Rebirth. We got to meet him uh, a while back towards the beginning, and then we met him as a little little boy in the past, and now we're getting to see him again as a, as a hero, and I think that's really cool. So um, were there any other things that you want I guess, oh, no, we need to talk about Kat Grant. She was also oh, in this yeah. issue. Um, so what did you think about Kat and even uh, Ben a little bit in this issue? So I think the Kat stuff I really liked. But then at some point I got confused with where the real cat was in the story and where the fake cat was. Because obviously it's like the real cat when she's talking to, um, oh gosh. Selena. Selena. That's right. But then later on when she's talking to Ben, uh, you think it's a real cat, and then um, at the end, she um, maybe murders him with a hammer. So <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I was like, wait, is that was that whole scene in the office with Cat and Ben? Was I would I'm assuming that was Selena the whole time. So wait, where is Cat then? So that's interesting that you think that she was trying to murder Ben because I, when I saw that, I thought maybe she was trying to break into Catco. Oh, okay. Using well, that makes the a lot hammer. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, how dark have these comics gotten? <laughs> I don't think you just get like a, a little love tap from a hammer and you're fine. <laughs> but that's an interesting thought because you brought up the the confusion of where Cat Grant ended and Selena picked up because I initially when I read it. I thought that maybe she just showed her ability to become Cat in the scene with Cat just to show what she could do. But that's an excellent question, actually, because we don't know that she didn't stay that way because Cat she knocks Cat out um, and takes the the key codes to the Catco app. So she could have easily come back and reassumed the Cat Grant persona to further the divide with Supergirl. So I I don't know that's a good question because at the end towards the end of the issue Cat Grant is more on the side of being angry at Supergirl that she sees what everybody else sees with the uh Zorel footage and she's like well I don't know maybe we can't trust Supergirl anymore and which is it seems a little bit out of character for Cat Grant but she's also trying to you know she's trying to protect her brand you know she she's got to make sure that uh whatever is happening happening is what she wants to happen so I, I don't know. That's a really good question because I think it does answer a previous question that the Cat Grant who shot Supergirl with like the green gun, I think that was Selena pretending to be Cat Grant because she even says something like, well, what have I been up to as you? Things Supergirl would never forgive. So I think she's admitting that she's done bad things in the look and appearance of cat grant does is that does that uh line up with how you've been thinking about that has she been doing things as cat grant uh prior to this experience yeah that's what that's what i was trying to figure out too it seems like it yeah so i'm i i figured that someone was either shape-shifting or somehow controlling cat and that's why she shot supergirl so now i'm under the impression that selena 
pretended to be Cat Grant who shot Supergirl. Yeah, so it, it does look like selena is the one that shot supergirl which we kind of figured yeah so i think that that does answer that question which is nice we've had a lot of questions uh with rebirth that we don't have answers to as of (laughs) yet uh but uh this one we do i'm just laughing about how obvious now rereading that panel that it that she was going to use the hammer to break into (laughs) catco and not straight up murder ben i have to stop watching the id channel is what i have to do but that's it that's an interesting interpretation though i'm glad that you brought it up i was like man this comic's getting dark (laughs) this is going to some interesting places i mean what i thought about cat grant that was really interesting after her after the encounter with selena she's like on the floor trying to clean up scorch marks i was like huh that's uh not what i would have expected cat grant to do maybe she would not have brought the cleaning people in to do that because she didn't want people to know that selena had broken into her office but I thought that, that that almost seemed like Cat Grant would think that that was beneath her, you know, to, to get on the floor and clean up her own office. Um, I would have expected Cat Grant to have someone else do that for her. Um, so I thought that that was really interesting. Um, and speaking of questions, some questions that we don't have answers to yet, we did get to see the Danvers in this issue. Uh, what did you think about uh, Jeremiah and Eliza coming in to help Supergirl um, get to Emerald Empress. It had been so long since we'd seen them. When they popped up, I didn't remember who they were. <laughs> like when she, they're like, oh, like we're here to help you. And I was like, who are these people? <laughs> and then like literally the next panel is her going, Jeremiah, Eliza, which thank God, because I wouldn't have remembered. <laughs> like it's just been so, especially um, maybe Eliza, but Jeremiah, I feel like has been, uh, as 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 non entity in this in this comic book as he's been on the show, <laughs> like I just feel like there's just nothing with him. Um, I don't feel like this book has been specifically focused on her like home life. It's there's definitely way more Supergirl than than Kara Danvers in this run so far. So when they popped up, I I was like. Oh, the Danvers. (laughs) That's a really good point that Rebirth has been mostly Supergirl and not Kara. I would agree with that. And uh, for me, when I saw them, I did uh, figure that's who that was. And I was actually really excited about it because we had not, like you said, we had not seen them in a long time. And for them to pop up in the way they did, I thought was a good use of them where they are fighting along with the the DEO and they're they're saying, hey, you know, we're DEO soldiers. You know, we can help you do things. So I thought that that was a good use of the Danvers to to bring them back into the story, to use them in a way that made sense. It wasn't just, you know, forced to have them there. It was a, a way to make use of their experiences and their past and their jobs. And in a way, they were there for Supergirl at her lowest moment. You know, she's had all of these terrible things happen to her. The city doesn't believe in her anymore. She's had, she's recovering from surgery still. Uh, Bad things have happened to her on this day. And she ends up coming out of a a sewer, basically, and seeing uh, Jeremiah and Eliza's smiling faces. And I I can't help but think that that was uh, a sense of, relief for her and uh something that encouraged her maybe to see them so i i thought that that was a really good use to uh throw them into the story although i didn't really notice eliza's missing hand i think 
she still did maybe in a couple of panels. It was sort of hard to tell, but uh, I don't know if we'll we'll get the answer to that just yet, if we ever do, which I'm not getting my hopes up about. <laughs> but it was cool to see the Danvers in the story. And I guess we didn't talk too much about Ben. Uh, I guess we can hit him really quickly. It, what what do you think his his part in the the next bit of the story is going to be? Well, first of all, I was really impressed that he came so hard for Cat Grant, his boss. Like, <laughs> he's also he's a high school intern, like yelling at the CEO of the company that he's interning for. I was like, well, Ben, you have some confidence. I am impressed um, because he's like talking about Supergirl, she trusted you and trying to explain the video that went out about her dad. So I'm, I'm interested to see if he's going to have like a, a technology solution to sort of some of the problems that, uh, that are going on with Supergirl right now, uh, when they get into Catco, uh, <laughs> by hammer, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to get to see more of Ben and I'm excited that Ben and Kat are like hanging out and going on this mission together and to see what they do to work together, or maybe they have problems because they have differing views of Supergirl at this point. But I like that Ben is sort of the Supergirl cheerleader. He still believes that Supergirl still wants to help everybody. He's been to the Phantom Zone with her, so he knows that she is a hero and that she does want to do the right thing and that she's just being maligned by uh, this video that's being taken out of context. So I'm I'm hoping to get to see more of Ben just to because I, I think he's he's become a character who is really getting Supergirls back. And I think that's something that she needs, especially right now in the story. Like everybody's turned on her and she's become a little bit of a pariah at National City. So I'm glad there's a character like Ben out there who is who is still uh hoping for the best and who still believes in Supergirl. So I think that's uh really important. And since this, uh, we, we, we talked a little bit about the art, but I was just curious, did you have any favorite panels, any favorite pages? Uh, did anything stick out to you? I really liked that panel, the, the, the one page where Emerald Empress is holding her, uh, her dead father and mm. sort of the, the future version uh, of what she's trying to pre- prevent. I really liked that. There was... Um, I think early on, this is a, this is a longer, um, issue. It's like 40 pages. So yeah, I have yeah. to scroll <laughs> to find what I'm looking for for so long, which is very good radio. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, early on another full page where Indigo like grabs Supergirl's arm and is like, you know, I'll take care of this. I like that. <laughs> I like that as well. I've liked, I liked, um, a couple of the full pages that they did. I thought that they, they um what they chose to highlight in those was very cool i agree the art that i thought was the most striking were the the full pages like page six i think is the one you mentioned of indigo up in the air with supergirl and she's kind of holding her arm and and kind of telling her like you know this needs to end right now i thought i thought that that was great it was one of the first good shots of uh, indigo's costume and a, a great way to show that Indigo uh, could replace her as the hero. She's even got a cape. Uh, So I thought that that one was uh, a really good 
page in terms of the art. You even see some of the destruction on that page, on page six of the buildings. Uh, There's a little fire on one of the rooftops. So there's a lot of good detail showing uh, the chaos that has ensued with the fight between Supergirl and Grundy. Um, So, yeah, I I would agree that the big pages, I think page six, page 21 with Emerald Empress and her father holding her dead father. And I really liked that page with Lauren, where it was like him coming towards uh, the camera or the reader, however you want to think about that. I thought that that was really cool. And there's a tiny little panel on page four where Supergirl is flying up towards Grundy's fist. And it reminded me a little bit of Man of Steel, if I'm going to be uh, totally honest with you. Uh, (laughs) There's a shot in Man of Steel where Superman and Zod are are coming towards each other, like flying towards each other. And that's what that panel reminded me of. And I thought that that was really cool. Uh, Just just to show how tiny Supergirl was a little bit uh, in compared to uh, how big Grundy is. So I, I really liked the art in this one. I thought it gave a, a lot of good attention to detail and really put you into, or at least put me into, I don't want to speak for anybody else, put me into the situations, put me into the city, what was going on. Um, and I was really enjoying the art in this one for sure. Um, are there are there any other things that you wanted to mention with this issue, with this uh, Supergirl annual number one? What do you, what do you think about... The uh, the bigger pages, uh, forty pages versus like a like a twenty two or twenty four page. Do you, wh- how do you think that as a reader? How does that differ with you? Um, I it it just felt a little longer to me, honestly. Um, but I liked it. I, I thought it kind of needed the um. What are they called? I want to call them the Fab Five so badly. Um, <laughs> the Fatal that's Five. Not, that's not who they are. <laughs> that's a, that's a different group. You know, the Fab Five, Anthony. <laughs> uh, been watching a lot of Queer Eye on Netflix. Um, the, what are they, Fatal Five? Yeah. Uh, I thought that they definitely needed a lot more fleshing out, uh, for me especially, because I am not familiar with almost any of them. Um, so I feel like we learned a lot more about Indigo in this one and a lot more about Emerald Empress at the very least, which was kind of needed to, to actually care about what's going on in this story. And I think that, um, and I, and I liked the, um, the contrast between sort of them talking about the things that you'll do for your family. Cause I think Ben says that at some point, like, you know, people go, uh, people can like make crazy decisions when it comes to their family. And at the root of that, that's what Emerald Empress is doing right now. She's trying to save her father, just like Supergirl has, is trying to, you know, keep her father around and, and kind of trying to rebuild, rehabilitate him. So I wonder if we won't see them come to some kind of compromise since they're kind of in the same place uh, emotionally with their families. Yeah, I think some of the best Supergirl stories that I can think of are when Supergirl is either paralleled or contrasted in some ways to someone else where you get to learn more about a Supergirl and that other person and what they might share in common or how they, uh, they differ. I think those stories are great because it gives Supergirl a chance to reach out to somebody with, uh, you know, hey, I'm going through this too. So I, I like those kinds of Supergirl stories. And I would agree with you. It, it is a long, it's a long read, but uh, that I think the length, the, the longer length gives you that opportunity to slow down and tell these character stories and really dig into who these characters are. And I really like that. That's that uh, to me, the, the regular issues go so fast sometimes and you don't get a chance to just kind of 
you know, slow down and see who these people are. So I, I really enjoyed that with this, uh, this annual that we got more in-depth uh, characterization and we got to learn more about these people and who they are, who, where they come from, what their motivations are. So I, I, I think the cliffhanger is really great because now I want to read the next uh, issue. I think that's Supergirl number 13. So I'm ready to get to the next one. I want to see what happens with Lauren. I want to see what happens with Kat and Ben. I want to see what happens with Supergirl and Emerald Empress. Uh, what what are the are the Danvers going to show up again? I don't know. I'm excited to read the next one. So uh, it it definitely did the job in terms of telling the story and making me excited about the next one. So uh, I really enjoyed this one. Well, I guess that's going to do it for our thoughts on Supergirl Annual Number One. If you've already picked up the issue, make sure to give it a rating in Comicsology or your DC Comics app. And if you haven't bought it yet, Supergirl Annual Number One is available in the DC Comics app, the Comicsology app, as well as Comicsology.com, Google Play, the Nook Store. Amazon and at readdcentertainment.com. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can leave you can leave us a voicemail uh, when you call 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and now on Spotify. So you can check out our episodes and our musical playlist there. We are also listed on DC's fan page, so you can find that at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. It's also a great resource to find other podcasts and other websites to go check out related to DC Comics and uh, fan pages. So I definitely recommend uh, you checking that out. And we are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And if you need any of these links that I've just mentioned, you can just go to supergirlradio.com. They're all on the right side of the page. Uh, Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, and classic DC TV shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. One of them is premiering this week. Uh, this episode will be released after the premiere of Krypton. When is when is Krypton? Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, Wednesdays, I believe. Cool. So I haven't missed it yet. You haven't. You <laughs> haven't missed it. But the the people of the future who listen to this in the future, they will probably have already seen it. So I uh, hope you enjoyed Krypton. Time travel we're right do, there. We're doing a little time travel here in, in the audio. Um, and I hope Legends of Tomorrow is going well. It's been really good this season. Good. Very enjoyable. Lots of time travel. <laughs> that, I'm sure that uh, is the case. Uh, because if they didn't time travel... Uh, I would be disappointed. It would it would be surprising. <laughs> that, that seems to be their thing that they are good at or not good at. Depends on your point of view, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, we got a lot of good shows coming up and a lot of uh, shows that are um, still on the air uh, waiting for your consumption. And uh, Supergirl will be returning soon uh, to kick Legends of Tomorrow out of that time slot. Wah, wah. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of good DC TV shows out there. So definitely uh, check them out and listen to the podcast. And it, you've, if you want to check me out on Twitter, I'm at Derby Kid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I'm also on Instagram at The Derby Kid. Uh, t that's T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y. I'm having a hard time spelling. Uh, <laughs> T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. Did I even say that right? You know where to go. It's not that hard. You can spell that. 
Um, uh, so I post a, a few pictures up there occasionally when I can. Um, I also have some videos over at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. Um, but what I'm most excited about uh, that's going on right now is that uh, the podcast that I am a contributor to, JLU Podcast, which focuses on the DC Films, uh, right now, we're covering Wonder Woman and Justice League. We have changed up the format a little bit. So uh, Sam Otten, uh, one of the hosts of the show, he is uh, sort of going back and forth and having a more conversational uh, approach to the podcast and to the analysis. So uh, I'll be on a few times. Other people will be on uh, other times. So it's kind of a change from the the way we've done it in the past. We've done a a lot of scripted analysis where you get to plan out everything that you want to say in advance, which is nice. <laughs> uh, but we're uh, trying it a little a new thing where we're actually doing actual podcasting. So it's a back and forth between people. Uh, so that's been a, a neat change to see how that works uh, to to an- analyze these scenes of these movies. So that's been uh, kind of exciting. So definitely check that out at jluniverse.podomatic.com. And you can check me out on Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. Um, that's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. I'm also, as uh, mentioned, one of the co-hosts of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Uh, we had a little bit of a, a hiccup this past week with the past episode because we, uh, a couple, uh, one of our co-hosts got sick. Oh, no. So, I know, poor cat. So we are going to record a huge episode um, next weekend. So it should be up um, sometime early next week. Um, and that'll cover this week's episode and last week's episode. So just strap in. That's going to be a long episode. <laughs> it's going to be filled with a lot of good stuff. <laughs> so if you were wondering, uh, why hasn't Legends popped up in my podcast app? The reason is um, we are bad at scheduling, um, <laughs> but we're, we're still around. That's like a bonus episode, though. That's exciting. Exactly. That's going to be, I mean, you really prepare yourself for this one. You you get uh, double the content for the, the, the money, which means, I mean, you're, you're not paying <laughs> exactly. any money, but uh, you still get a uh, double. For the, the- for the price of free. <laughs> for the price of free, you get double the content. So that is very cool. Uh, I, I, we all hope cat feels better. Um, so, uh, that, that should be a good, uh, big episode to look forward to. So that's exciting. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us. And thanks for joining us as we read Supergirl Rebirth. <laughs>